Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Hi, I Think You're Nice, the podcast where I speak to a nice person about nice things for about an hour. I am your host, Sarah Hanshar, and today my guest is Richard Templeman, and we talk all about the golden age of radio. It is such a wonderful conversation. There is so much to know about the golden age of radio that happened oh so long ago, but is still relevant today. Richard also has a podcast called Second Golden Age of Radio, and I was happily a guest on it. So make sure you go check that out. We go through a particular episode with Laurence Olivier, and then we reenact what it would sound like today if we were to make a brand new radio drama. So go check that out. Second golden age of radio. So fun. And I forgot to mention this last week, but I was a guest on 10K Dollar Day. I was technically a guest on 10K Saturday, where Lulu Picard and I had a lovely conversation, and she interviewed me. And that was so much fun. So go check that out. Their primary podcast is called 10K Dollar Day, but you can find me on 10K Saturday with Sarah Hanchar. Hey, that's me neat. So I hope you support my friends and support their super wonderful podcast because we need as much love and fun as we can get right now. And I think you will really enjoy the second golden age of radio and 10k Saturday. Oh, and 10k dollar day, of course. You can find me at Facebook, I think you're nice, Instagram, I think you're nice, Twitter, I think you're nice, and you're not going to believe this, I'm on TikTok. I love TikTok. It's so fun. I'm confused. I don't know what's happening, but I am posting a lot of pictures and videos of my dogs. So you can find me at TikTok at, you guessed it, I think you're nice. Find me there. Have a great time. I sure am. If you would like to support this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you went to iTunes and gave me a five-star rating and a review, a rating and review, a subscribe and a share. All of those things absolutely mean the world to me, and they are so, 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 so helpful. So head on over to iTunes, give me five stars, and uh, go ahead and give me a quick blurb. Just say, hey, this is great. Boom. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. You did it. Did you? I think you did. Thank you so much. You can also give me a review on Facebook itself. So head on over to I Think You're Nice and give me a review there. And of course, if you are interested in being one of my patrons who I love with my whole heart and my whole soul, head on over to patreon.com slash I Think You're Nice. And my patrons get perks. Yes, they do. You get an episode shout out, you get a sticker, and you get access to outtakes. Almost every single episode has outtakes and stuff that is pretty funny, but it's not quite nice and it's not quite on message with the podcast, but it is lots of fun and it's often very silly and funny. So I highly recommend heading on over to patreon.com slash I think you're nice and consider being a patron. It would mean the world to me. Every time I get a patron, my heart skips a beat and I am eternally grateful for the generosity of my patrons. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. You help make this podcast possible, and so I can keep on going and keep spreading that kindness and niceness, and I will forever and ever and ever be grateful to you. So really, truly, thank you. I think that's enough jibber-jabber from me, don't you? Let's jump into this episode with Richard and have a wonderful time learning all about the golden age of radio. Have fun. Thank you so much. Take care. I think you're nice, why hi, 
I think you're nice Let's have a seat and let's have a nice time I think you're nice So let's chat, so let's chat, so let's chat I think you're nice, so let's chat Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Hi, I Think You're Nice, the podcast where I speak to a nice person about nice things for about an hour. My name is Sarah Hanshar. I'm your host, and today I'll be speaking with Richard Templeton about the golden age of radio. Hi, Richard. Hello, how are you? I'm so good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm really excited to be on the program. Ooh, on the program. Yes. (laughs) That makes it sound so fancy. Oh, yes. It's a very fancy program. You're welcome. (laughs) Finally, someone respects how fancy this program is. Uh, Fantastic. (laughs) Richard and I are in the same show. It's called A Backline, but we've never actually met each other live and in person because the first time the show went up, I, I unfortunately couldn't make it and Richard was there being amazing. And then the second time we did the show, I was there, but Richard couldn't make it. And But now we're finally meeting via Zoom chat, and it's just lovely. Hello. It's glorious. Hello. I love uh, interacting with your face, and it's great. <laughs> your face is also great. I love face interac- interactions. They're the best. So mm-hmm. let's jump right in. Hey, what is the golden age of radio? Perfect. That's a great jumping off point. The golden age of radio, as far as I can tell, started after vaudeville, kind of like at the tail end of vaudeville. So we're thinking 30s, right? So in the 1930s, when they started transcribing things and putting them out into the airways and they created like these receivers that you could tune in and listen to things, they're like, oh, we could just have people stay at home and give them a vaudeville show. And so they kind of transitioned the comedy acts of the day and the stories that they were doing on stage onto the radio. And that's when it kind of started. And then um, by all accounts, um, it ended in 1962. Although we still have some old timey radio shows that happen after that, but that's when it like died. Really? So it lasted until the sixties. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, I guess it shouldn't surprise me too much, but I guess when I think the 60s, I think of, oh, you know what I'm thinking of? is like laughing and hee-haw and stuff like that, which is very, you know, comedy, vaudevillian, sort of slapsticky. But that was probably the 70s. So, all right, the 60s it is. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So the heyday, of course, is like the 40s, World War II and everything. And so that's when it was like super uber popular. And then, of course, it trails off um, when television comes out in the 50s. And so then there's that awkward transitional period where a lot of the radio shows did go to television. And then some didn't and some were successful and some weren't. And then you could do both. You could listen to the radio or watch TV. And then by 62, they're like, no, we're just... We're going to watch TV now. (laughs) Wow. So imagine being on that journey all the way from like the 40s and you love this television or you love this radio program and then it turned into changes formats. That would be crazy. Mm -hmm. It's very versatile, though. When you think about it, it makes a lot of sense that you would want to 
go more in depth than you would be able to. And because you want to compete with new shows and everything that are going out on TV. So why not take your fan base with you if you can? Interesting. Cool, cool, cool. So what made the golden age of radio so golden? It seems like it was a pretty rad thing and that it was a brand new thing in a way to entertain in an interesting way. Is that what made it so special at the time? I think because it basically set the groundwork for the the entertainment medium to have different networks. Those all came out like you had NBC um nbc blue nbc red and one of those turns into abc you have cbs you have one called mbc mutual broadcast company and so they and then they would collect the advertisers like you know the commercials that we see on tv and listen on the radio nowadays that all came out during this golden age of radio and so i just think it 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 grew so fast from the 30s to the 40s that that's why it's considered golden age because everyone was by the radio. Everyone was listening to their stories. There was kids shows, adult programming. There was dramas, comedies, and game shows and just different ways to get people involved. And it, it's just kind of a foreign concept for us because, yeah, we sit in front of the boob tube, the TV, and watch things. But can you imagine just lying on the ground or sitting on the sofa and just your imagination is creating all the, the stories for you? It's yeah. like different. Yeah. You know what? It reminds me of podcasting because some folks Uh are having some folks have a hard time wrapping their head around what's a podcast. And in general, I usually say it's a, you know, it's a radio program that you get to choose. And, you know, you get to pick the topic, you get to pick your host, you get to pick all a number of things. And then you sit there or I tend to do like a lot of like either housework or yard work or I play with a dog or I'm on the bus or that's where I tend to do most of my listening. And it really is enriching because you can have these delightful stories and these delight- delightful people and hosts and they're with you while you do all of those either menial tasks or stuff that's kind of like, I have to do it, but turns into an enjoyable time. I kind of miss riding the bus because that was my time to sit down, do nothing, and just enjoy listening to podcasts. Yeah, that's right. In fact, a lot of people in the here and now um, consider our time period to be a second golden age of radio because, oh. yeah, it's a it's a nice tie-in. The second golden age of radio being podcasting because now we have niche markets and you, whatever interests you have – Someone can make a podcast about it, and then we're listening to things again that that we weren't doing for many, many years. Yeah. And so I, that's why I took to the um, podcasting medium when it first came out. Like, I'm I'm going to say when iTunes was around in the early 2000s, like 2005, six, seven, podcasting came out kind of for the masses, and people are like, "What the heck is this?" And I was like, "Oh my gosh." I love old time radio and now there's new time radio. I'm so happy. And so I was an early adopter. I don't know if you were too, but I love podcasts as well. (laughs) I actually was pretty late to the podcast game. I probably didn't start listening until the teens, like the early teens, maybe uh, 2013. 
was probably when I started, and it was all NPR stuff. Anywhoozle, that's just for me to say. It took me a minute to get on board, but once I was on board, woot woot, I was into it. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, I love the podcast train. It's a great train. And we will absolutely talk about your your show. And let's go ahead and talk about it now. So you let's love you love uh, the Golden Age of Radio. Have you always loved it? Yes. Um, not <laughs> technically, no, but yes, ever since I discovered it. And I will go into my origin story. Do you Ooh, remember? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember that wonderful little website called Napster? I sure do. Mm hmm. So I was an eclectic young lad, and I was on the Napster trying to find a song, Cat's Cradle, you know, on the cats and the, the cradle on the silver spoon. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So I was looking for it, and on accident downloaded something called Vincent Price, The Price of Fear, episode entitled Cat's Cradle. Oh. You had me at like, Vincent Price. Exactly. What an iconic voice to be listening to. And I'm like, this isn't a song at all. And it was a whole story about a haunted mansion or house that had a cat involved. And I was like, I'm in. And ever since, I've been in. You know, that's pretty much as soon as one could get into radio, I would say. Because, I mean, you couldn't have been very old. Because if we're talking Napster, that was... <gasps> I hate to say it, like, 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're but a babe. So, I'm just a wee child. Just, just a wee child looking up for cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. Ooh, a spooky story. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it drew me right in. So it accomplished its goal years after the fact and drew me into the story. And then I found out... This was before you could really download a lot of things, um, you know, save Napster and then later LimeWire. You kind of had to go on eBay and get these MP3s on a CD disc and get it to your house. And then it would have like a hundred radio shows on it. Or I would go to the library and they had cassette tapes of the old time radio shows. But I, I, whatever I could get my hands on, I brought it into the home, listen to it, to fall asleep at night, or, you know, to wake up in the morning, hear a story before I went off to school or something, and I was like, this is cool! That is so amazing! That makes my heart so happy. I was listening to pretty terrible music before and after high school. Uh, everyone is about to judge me when I say this. Creed. <laughs> There was a solid year that I was into Creed, and then something happened in my brain where I went, oh, no, 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 no more. So I love that you were this high school kid listening to old-timey radio. That's so lovely. Aw, that reminds me of my godson who used to like to listen to the scores of John Williams or like Sousa uh -huh. marches and stuff with like orchestral trumpet music. I'm like, oh my God, my sweet baby, you are such a darling nerd. And that makes my heart so happy. <laughs> right. I love it. If it, someone has some different interest, it, it, it's always fun. It's, you're like, oh, that's sweet. That's not like the normal, like overplayed, you know, super popular for no good reason stuff. It's like you really had to dig and find something that personally affects you. And you're like, cool, 
Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. So that was your your creed. Nope, better that was- than creed. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> Absolutely not. It was your golden age of radio. And it sounds like it was, yes. it was hard to get. So you like had yes, to Yes, it used it. to be a lot harder. Yeah, a lot harder to get in the past. You had to, yeah, you had to check it out from the library or order it on eBay. But now everything's online and it's so much easier. You could go on YouTube or there's separate websites that you can just download them for free because at this point there's no copyright on any of these things. So it's like great. Oh, right. When does copyright run out before it becomes um, public domain? Hmm, that would be a good research question. Something tells me like 70 years or something, but then I don't know if they ever were copyrighted back in their day or if they came out with copyright later. Yeah. So what are some of your favorite shows that were during this golden age of radio? I would say one of my all-time favorites is one called My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning, brought to you by the Jell-O family of desserts, J-E-L-L-O. So that was basically that was I amazing. Love Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. I'm ready to tune in. Tell me more. Well, before Lucille Ball was in I Love Lucy, she was on this little ditty of a show called My Favorite Husband, which had a lot of the same plot lines of I Love Lucy that we would later see on television. But her husband wasn't Cuban. He was just some white guy. So kind of vanilla, boring. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just more typical for the 50s America to have like the married couple and they had a maid even in the house. It was just a wow. yeah, a fancier, different time. And she would get into hijinks, of course, and her husband would go, Now, Liz, what Liz, what are you doing? And she's like, I don't know, George. I was just trying to help and blah, blah, blah. so <laughs> it was like very, very similar to some of the stories we see later, but Instead of being like a Cuban band leader, the husband was a banker, and um, she was still a stay-at-home wife. And, and, and in my head, too, I mean, this is no judgment on Lucy, but did she really need to have a maid? Because <laughs> she didn't have a job, but they paid a maid to be there, too. And I'm like, okay, so Liz is keeping house, the maid is keeping house. And I Everyone's think the maid was house. even... Everyone's keeping house. She would make dinner for them, and then she would say, can I have a day off? And I'm like, you you guys should give her a day off. She's, like, basically <laughs> doing everything. Lucille Obal didn't take it, uh, carry it over to her show, I Love Lucy. Right. I think that you write in the Ethel character, and then that kind of takes the place of having a maid, is you have um, a best friend, and that made more sense, I think. They also made a good change in by making, um, by having her husband. Now, that was her husband in real life, right? Uh, that's correct. Is? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and how that's so good. That was such a great show. I know we're not talking mm-hmm. about TV, but. Well, it, it just goes to show when they were transitioning My Favorite Husband to television, Lucille Ball argued heavily to have her own husband play her television husband. And the network said, 
Um, no one would believe that, you know, a, a, an American girl such as yourself could be married to this Cuban boy. And she's like, except for the fact that I, I really am married to him. Like, it's, they don't yeah. have to believe it because it's just a fact. And so she had to go, go out and do a little vaudeville tour with Desi Arnaz and show, you know, people we can act well together and people will like us. And then, you know, they greenlit him to be a part of the show and the rest, as they say, is history. (laughs) So good. What other shows are notable from this era? Sure. There's one called Suspense, which is... As the title suggests, a very suspenseful story from week to week. And a lot of times they would have, like, Judy Garland on the show being the lead character. And so you get some good actresses and actors of the era to come in, do one episode of Suspense, and then go away. But I really like Suspense. There's one called The Unexpected. The Unexpected. The Unexpected. Where, as that title suggests... (laughs) Something unexpected happens. It's usually a, a bad guy or a, a gal who is nefarious in some way or another. Uh-huh. Um, but th- but by the end of the story, they get their comeuppance real bad. Ironically enough, if you listen to the show enough, you can expect the ending because you know something unexpected is happening. So they've been building up, building up this one particular aspect of the story and then you know it's going to get the rug pulled out from underneath of it exactly they're not gonna get what they want because for some reason what they want is a bad it's for bad reasons bad guys at first i'm like oh that kind of sounds like the twilight zone a little bit or um Mm -hmm. unsolved mysteries what was the one you said before not unexpected but Suspense. Suspense. Were those based on true stories, or were they just completely fabrications? Okay, so most of those, I think, were fabricated. If you do want true um, crimey stories, Dragnet came out on the radio first before it was a TV show. Did it really? It did. And so those were, you know, of course, the stories are real. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. So that started way back when. And that's how we get every (laughs) procedural law and order, you know, all those shows because of Dragnet. And um, there was another one to a cop, a cop show. And so all these old shows, oh, Gangbusters, I think. Gangbusters, Dragnet, they all were based on true stories and... We're crimey, and we're still, I mean, you know, the podcast arena right now is full of true crime. Oh, can't get enough of that true crime. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of interesting to see the origin of that, where they would almost take these stories right from the headlines and then turn it into a story for you to listen to, and it was good. Yeah, so most of them were fictionalized, except for those type, and then, of course, you have your regular old sweepstakes game shows that they'd bring the contestants on and it would be like Price is Right or, you know, let's make a deal, but on the radio. So they have to describe what's going on. I have three curtains here and behind each curtain is something that little Miss Tuffet over here is going to pick one and she'll get whatever's behind the door. Little Miss Tuffet, which curtain would you like? Number one, number two, number... Oh, I don't know. It's just so hard for me to choose and I have a lot riding on it because my husband he doesn't make as much money as I'd like but 
I'll choose curtain number one. <laughs> Little Miss Tuff and Aaron some personal business on the game show. I know. She needs to be a little more guarded about her family secrets. <laughs> yeah, she does. That brings me to something that I think about, because uh, occasionally I'll say like, oh, I've got this really great picture, or I'm looking at this really great thing, and I'm sure you you notice it too with your podcast. So how to, especially with yours, very few visual aids exist. Because at least on right. uh, Facebook, on Instagram, I can post pictures and companion stuff of the things we're talking about, but in the age of radio, tough, man. You just have to imagine it and listen. And so I bet that was pretty challenging. Did they describe stuff a lot? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll get a lot of um a lot of over descriptive um monologues like Sometimes the narration will come from the mind of one of the characters, which kind of helps. It's like, I walked into the room and I saw that it was completely black. And then all of a sudden the lights turned on and, oh, what's that? Why are you pulling out that gun? It's terrible. No, put it away. No, don't put it on my head. Whoa. <laughs> like, so <laughs> don't that's how they get around. All- and raise your right hand and look me in the eye and, and sneeze a little bit and then put it right next to me. And then you smell and. <laughs> exactly. So there's a lot of conversational, like th- things we have to lift our, <laughs> uh, lift our um, beliefs of that that wouldn't happen in real life. But you know, for the radio, you have to say it somehow. Like, you know, there's a lot of guns that get pulled in these old time oh, sure. radio shows. I've noticed. Oh yeah, they were just gun happy. Like, hey, put that gun away. No, don't. You know, lots of don't do what you're about to do. <laughs> I have to for the plot, see? Exactly. <laughs> also, I think at least with a with a gun and radio, you know, pop ah dead, right? It's not like you could <laughs> Yes. Because the alternative would be like strangling or stabbing and that's really gruesome. So, oh, I imagine yeah. <laughs> like listening to that would be pretty gruesome unless it was like, I'm going to choke you. <laughs> dead. You know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But after you really fast, <laughs> yeah, super fast strangulation right here on the golden age of radio. <laughs> it sounds like there were shows every single night where there's shows constantly all the time, like we have TV constantly all the time, or mm. were there like special times? So, um, I I know that if it was like a serialized show, which are usually shorter, either a soap opera or a superhero like kids show, uh-huh. those would be those would be on the daily. So they would all connect. The stories would connect from episode to episode, on and those would be every on the daily. And then like our normal scripted, you know, we tune in with our characters. They have a full complete story either half hour, 45 minutes or whatever. And then we'll tune in next week to hear a new story. Those were the weekly shows. Okay. So you had a little bit of both. I would say the only thing that we have on television, I feel that's a daily thing is a soap opera. Is That's the only thing that carried over from that time period. You get soap operas from the radio and now we have them on TV, but you were going to say, I imagine. I imagine 
that there were soap operas back then, right? Isn't that why they were called soap operas? Because they advertised soap and were trying to get the lady demographic of, you know, moms <clears throat> and wives who were at home? Exactly. See, you nailed it. You you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> Watching you mime out hitting a nail on the head. <laughs> but, okay, and you hit the nail on the head. You did it. We both did it. Thank you. We, we both had to do it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so they would have Lux soap and all these um, flakes. Like, they used to use a lot of soap flakes back then. I, I don't think we use flakes anymore of soap as much, as far as I'm aware. Borax? Uh, is yeah, maybe, sort of flaky. yeah. Flaky. And I would think, you know, laundry detergent is mostly liquid, but we have those, like, powder stuff. Yeah, we still have powder. But, yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's not flakes. Only, it's like a powder. Right. I imagine that they got bars of soap and they just kind of whittled them down into a box. <laughs> yeah, and then there's them. your soap flakes. Just shred up. Yeah, like a cheese grater or something. <laughs> Makes sense, to be totally honest. Then you can choose how much, how many flakes go in your cleaning project. Um, do <laughs> right. Do you now know a lot of really weird products from back in the day? Oh my gosh, yes, I do. Like, we just listened to one the other day that I think it was Kraft, so we all know the brand Kraft. Sure. But they happen to advertise this specific product that I feel like we don't have anymore. They, they said, Ladies, when you're at home thinking about what to cook for dinner... Well, you go right onto the store and buy one of Kraft cheese logs. Oh, these cheese logs are really special. It's a pound of cheese, and you just slice off a piece of it. Go ahead and put that in your oven, and it will melt into this nice liquid thing that you could put on your broccoli, or you could put in your casserole. So the, don't forget to get your Kraft cheese log today, ladies. And I'm like, okay, Ugh. we get it. You're talking to females. <laughs> I get it. I get it. They're the only ones who can cook, apparently. I get it. Right. I get it. You're <laughs> you're wrong, but I get it. <laughs> okay, that's, again, that's me putting my different brain on, because otherwise I'll flip a table. So, right. <laughs> oh, yeah, a lot of those commercials um, are, I imagine, just, well, depending on who you are and how you feel about stuff, rage-inducing. Um, I, I... I feel like the cheese log, was that the predecessor to Velveeta? Because that's I'm pretty sure it was. Because once they started saying what it is, I'm like, that sounds very much like Velveeta. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I and uh, maybe this is the creed of food products, but I still like Velveeta. You can't take mm -hmm. that away from me. <laughs> I know. I think it's probably the fakest of cheeses if mm. we're going in that direction. But it's so tasty. It's so, you know what, it has a, it's not like a daily cheese, because mm -hmm. if I'm being honest, I'm a daily cheese eater. Uh, but it is like, when I go to parties, I like to make the Velveeta and canned Hormel um, mm. uh, chili. And I'm sorry, it goes over so well. And my Hello Kitty Crock-Pot is always empty at the end of the party. So I'm like, no one's too good. For Velveeta and canned chili. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
Now you should be a spokesperson. That was a good argument right there. Oh, thank you. I'll see what I can do. I'd love to be in uh, Velveeta's pocket. I'd love that. Yeah, 100%. yeah, to be. Oh yeah. So there, there's products like that. It's just funny. Um, they're if they're doing car related automobile stuff, they're like. You got to get this um, battery that only requires a little bit of water. And I'm like, Dad, because he knows about car things. I'm like, Dad, what are they talking about water in the batteries? Like, oh, yeah, a long time ago, you had to put water in your car battery. I'm like, that is ridiculous. That, I mean, with what we know today, that seems crazy. Would it help yeah, conduct the electricity, I guess? I guess so. I guess it had a compartment that needed to be filled with water for it to go. What? Because, uh, you know, when we were the early iPhone generation, nothing was worse for any electronic. Nothing is worse for any electronic than water. So imagine yeah. <laughs> dunking your phone battery into some water. Like, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta juice it up. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get those juices flowing in my battery. I wonder, do you think that's maybe that's where it came from? I'm out of juice? My battery's out of yeah, juice? Probably. And they would literally have to put some water in it. Huh. This, this is all very fascinating. Things you wouldn't know unless you took the time to listen and learn about the uh, 30s and 40s. I love mm -hmm. it. So those were some of your favorite shows and your favorite commercials. Maybe not favorite commercials, but notable commercials. Right. Um, what are some notable actors from the era? You mentioned uh, Lucille O'Ball. Lucille, why can't I say her name? Is it O'Ball <laughs> or is it just Ball? No, Lu it's just Lucille Ball. Why am I saying it crazy? I want her to be O well, for some reason. <laughs> well, I think she might be Irish or something, so you just want to get Lucille O'Ball. Yeah, Lucille O'Ball. I love her. That's a terrible accent. That was terrible. <laughs> Well, that's how the accents are on the old-time radio shows, believe you me. <laughs> They're pretty over the top. <laughs> True. You did have to, and I, I definitely want to talk about that in a moment, the crazy way that people speak on the radio. Uh, so we had Lucille Ball, and we mm -hmm. you mentioned Judy Garland, which is very Judy exciting. Garland. So I'm a huge Judy Garland fan. And oh, me so too. Who, who else uh, notable that... Uh, Fanny Bryce, yes. Fanny Bryce, yeah. Um, some of the lesser stars um, could be on The Unexpected. Well, lesser in our um, experience. So there was like, Maureen O'Tuttle. And I'm like, oh, she sounds like uh, a nice um, lady. Um, let me pull. Oh, there's... Hmm. And you mentioned Vincent Price. Vincent I mean, Price. He's he's classic. He's got the radio voice, so I can see why they need, they wanted him in all the different shows. Yeah. It's uh, funny there's when I Orson. Say, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm go keep ahead. You, you you go first. Okay. You go first. <laughs> uh, when I say notable actors, I guess you know we're all going to be depending on how much you care or know about uh, older actors, because I grew up and with, you know, old, old school stuff. So movies like Rebecca and 
uh, you know, all the Hitchcocks and Singing in the Rain and like vintage Aww. films, even for the 80s. So I have like a little bit of knowledge of the old school actors. Yeah. So this is like hella old school. So anytime there's somebody's name that I recognize, like Judy Garland, I'm like, oh, of course, that makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Orson Welles did, you know, his Mercury Theater and different things. So we all know Orson Welles because of well, War of the Worlds. Yeah. Uh, and then he went on to do movies. There's um, uh, George and Gracie Allen. Or no, George Burns and Gracie Allen. Sorry. Oh, there we go. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. So George Burns, because he lived to be like 101, we all kind of remember him yeah. as an old guy. In the 80s or something. Um, The Abbott and Costello show was um, popular on the radio, and so we know them through their movies and stuff. What? They're so physical. Their comedy is so physical. So it'd be... Wow. A lot of the wordplay, a lot of the wordplay came out in the radio shows, and then they became very physical in the movies and television performances. Okay. So that's interesting, too. Um, oh, Bob Bailey, I heard of him a lot. There was, oh, Bob Bailey's going to be on an episode of the Old Time Radio <laughs> Show. Just And then some of the, uh, Milton Berle had a show. Uh, there was so many different people that I kind of remember from early television, but they were mainly famous on the radio. Oh, Agnes Moorhead from, she's the m- mom and Dora on <gasps> Bewitched. Yes! Mm-hmm. She did a whole bunch of shows back then, and she was very famous for her radio voice. And so mm-hmm. we know her. And yeah, it's just people had to go through a transition because they were very good with their um, instrument, their vocal instrument. And then to transition to television, I'm sure a bunch didn't make it because it's a very visual medium. Yeah, going from just being the most incredible voice and then realizing that, oh, no, now you have to, <laughs> now we need to know what you look like. And that can be, that can be cruel, very cruel indeed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm My mind is pretty blown about the Abbott and Costello business. That's pretty rad. Yeah. I'm yeah. into it. Uh, do you know how they made some of the special effects noises? Because I imagine... Like, with Abbott and Costello, they'd still, like, I ran into a door, or whatever. Um, Exactly. So they had live Foley artists for the most part. Because a lot of these are either recorded in front of a live studio audience, or they're recorded, like, actually live. But some of them are recorded live, but then aired later. So everything that you hear, the music, is all played live. Um, You have someone in the corner with a microphone, like on a tiny little door that they open and close and open and close. That's a popular one. And yeah, any footsteps, like if it's a scary one, you definitely have the little wooden shoes that you can go. Nice. And yeah, it's pretty impressive because um, you even, they even had uh, sound effects for like people falling down with the little whistles. (laughs) So they're They're a little unrealistic, but they had to overdo the sound so you know what's kind of going on. You know, like, oh, be careful, you're falling over that. Ooh. Oh, she fell over the edge. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, if mm-hmm. you think about Dick Van Dyke, um, 
whenever he trips over the the thing, they still exactly. give him the accent noise. Uh, mm-hmm. So you are so you know that he fell down because you couldn't see exactly. it. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. And that. Yeah, so they did all that live. They couldn't really go in and edit the programs until, you know, until the modern era. Now we just, a lot of times I'll be recording an episode of the podcast, right? And we introduce so many noises that we don't mm-hmm. do. And then I go ahead and um, add them in later, add musical cues with royalty-free music and do this and do that. And I just build in a lot of drama that's hard to build in when you're just improvising a new time radio show. The fact that when you said it was live, my, I got anxiety about it because I'm trying to imagine doing a live, you know, live podcast or live radio feed. And I'm like, "Ah, no, no, mama needs to edit. (laughs) Yeah. Editing is such a wonderful tool. I remember um, I was in high school, and they had, at the Kirkland Performance Center, they did live tapings of radio shows in the old style of radio that they would air on, like, Kixie AM radio or sometimes Cairo AM radio. And it was fascinating to watch it, because they did it in the style of old-time radio, so you would see the people with the <laughs> with their little sound effects, their little maracas, and their little um, shoes that they would just put on their hands and walk around on the floorboards yeah. and the doors. Yeah, so I, I actually got the opportunity to see them recreate it live, and I was like, this is fascinating. I couldn't do it. And I think one time during it, they had a pail or bucket that was supposed to be like sound of weather happening. And it like fell down during the performance and everyone went, and then they're like, just keep going. Just keep going. (laughs) Gosh, darn it. Janitor Larry, watch where you're going anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Just roll with the punches. And I like that they had um, the scripts right in front of them. So memorization was not as important back then because you could just put on your glasses, be in front of your microphone and go, well, here's my next line and there's my other line. And now I'm speaking to you. And so it was clever. It was a clever way to do it. Then you wouldn't make as many mistakes. That's true. And I imagine they rehearsed. I I mean, mm. I, you'd have to, because I'm just thinking of the Foley artist alone would need oh, to be yeah. able to hear the words and see how his timing would need to be. I assume he might, maybe I'm right, wrong. I hope yeah. I'm wrong. Hope I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, they would need time to, to figure out how all that would sit with the, with the speaking. Exactly. And then it's nice to have the live studio audience when they air the episode. Cause then you get the laughter if it's a comedy and, Oh, it's so much better than the laugh tracks that sometimes people still play on television to this day. Ooh, to this day they do? Yeah, like some Netflix shows literally are filmed as if it's in front of a live studio audience and they add in canned laughter and it kills me inside. I'm like, why? We don't need that anymore. No, no. Just write a good show. Or if you're going to have, if you want laughter and live studio audience, get a a live studio audience. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh no that makes me uncomfortable yeah me too it's 
it's almost like coaxing the viewers at home to laugh, but not genuinely. It's not genuine. Not genuinely. I find the best way to make people laugh is to do stuff that's funny or say things that are funny or provide entertaining things. And then the people will laugh. Yeah. And then you don't have to create the laughter. The laughter is there. Yeah. Because that's uncomfortable. Yeah. We, you mentioned, you know, these actors with these incredible voices who are amazing actors. Why? Everything was very forward. Uh, it seemed very forward, even for the women, for the mm-hmm. men, everybody. It was very forward placement. Uh, was there a particular reason for that? Was it just like a frequency thing with the recording equipment? You know, uh, the nearest thing I can tell is for some reason in the 30s, 40s, and into the 50s, I guess regions like America and Canada came up with this transatlantic accent that was not a true accent. Like, if I was living in that era, I would not sound like that. But it was a hoity-toity little accent that was like, Oh, I just don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't really talk like this, but because I'm in a theatrical way presenting a story either on the stage or on the screen or or on the radio i ha- i have to speak thusly so i am not quite sure why they did it cuz you may be right maybe they thought you know it sounded better you could hear it more clearly cuz if they're static you want to hear it through the static but it took on it took hollywood by storm and new york city they were all talking in this transatlantic accent and since it's not real, it basically died out because we're like, oh, oh, we could speak naturally now. <laughs> oh, that's easier. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking more normally. Don't get me wrong. I love pretending to have that accent. See? Well, coming right your way, Mr. Chamberlain. Here we go. Um, Mr. Chamberlain? Who's that? I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> uh, after these commercials, ladies, have you vacuumed enough today? Take these <laughs> diet pills and you'll be vacuuming until your floor's a bear. Because it's speed. Oh, you, you are so good. That is uh, painfully accurate. <laughs> Oh, the past. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Can't change it. Can't change it. You can only change the future. (laughs) We can't. Yes, we can. Uh, And it's, it's funny to see what still works from those, that era. Like what jokes are still funny. What, uh, what situations are still humorous. I'm mostly focusing on like the humorous stuff. Um, but I, I'm going to have to check out the unexpected, unexpected, unexpected. That yes, that's a, that's a treat. It's a fun one. Awesome. So let's talk about your podcast, which is so fun. Um, it's actually called The Golden Age of Radio Show. Second Golden Age of Radio. Oh, okay. I got a few of those words. So the second Golden Age of Radio It is such a fun show. Tell me about it. So, I I started out with my friend when I was living in Virginia, my friend Kelly. I was trying to think of something I could offer the interwebs. Like, what do they want to know? Like, what can I share that's unique to me? And then one day it hit me. I'm like, 
I'm pretty much the only person I know that listens to these old-time radio shows. I would, like, pipe it into my iPod and listen on my headphones while I'm walking around. I'm like, I should share that with others. So, her and I started just picking an episode of old-time radio, discussing it, listening to a specific one, discussing that, and then we're like, you know, for an added bonus, we're going to make our own version, and it's going to be modernized, and how can we adapt it, or, you know, transition it to the here and now, and that's probably been the most fun part, is depending on what type of episode of old-time radio show we're dealing with, we have to stretch it a lot and transition it to something totally different, but sometimes it's the story is good on its own and we just kind of make our own version that's based loosely upon it and we're like oh we didn't have to change much of the plot it was all good nice because uh, depending what the plot is sometimes it's a little squiffy it might have take some adjustment to make it fly in the modern age how do you work out the acting it out part the the ending all right good question okay So when I was living in Virginia, my friend Kelly and I would be in the same room doing an episode, and then sometimes we'd have guest stars come into our same room and do it with us. Well, then I moved to Seattle, so her and I had to think of a way that we could um, remote podcast, and one time we did it like over the phone, where I was recording on my end, she was recording on her end, and we did it over the phone, but it, it wasn't as convenient for her to do it that way. So then they came out with this app called Marco Polo. Hashtag not sponsored, but (laughs) it's a walkie-talkie video app, basically. And so that helped with the time difference, too. So she could pop on and say her spiel. Then I could react to her spiel and talk. And we'd go back and forth. And then more in the editing process for me, I could splice it together so it sounded more like we were having a conversation and not... You know, you go, me go, you go, me go. I make it flow a little better in the edit. And so that app has been very helpful. And I get tons of different guest stars now doing it that way. And since we've been under a situation where more people are Skyping and using Zoom, I've started using that as well. Nice. Yeah. That's incredible. I I love Marco Polo because it is just like a walkie-talkie, like, Hey, good morning. I made eggs and I love you. Okay, bye. It saves all of your um, communication. That's why I thought it'd be clever for the podcast because you could go back and upload all that audio onto the computer and then you have it. It's there. You're a super genius. Oh my gosh. That's such a great idea. How long have you been doing your podcast? All right. So I believe it was 2015 when we started it, but then we had a few hiatuses. And so when, when anchor.fm came out, I just started releasing all the old episodes and then I have been adding upon it. So it kind of looks like, um, they all were released recently, but they're, some of them are 2015, 2017 and 18. And then it was 2019 that I started regularly doing it again. So all the radio shows that you and your guests are listening to are things that you have found. Do you still go diving or do you pretty much know everything there is to know about the content that's available? So uh, at first it was just from my recollections of what radio shows I liked. But nowadays, sometimes I ask the guest, what genre are you 
interested in and I'll do a dive and see what's available. And I try to do a new radio show every week. So if we've done Philip Marlowe detective show, okay, now we can do Johnny Dollar detective. Oh, if you want a detective show, oh, there's another guy. Um, the Falcon, he, he's a detective, you know, so we just keep picking Ooh. different shows that have similar genres. Oh, wait, I didn't ask my one of my favorite questions. Why? Why do you like the Golden Age of Radio so much? That's a great question. I like it because there's so many fun stories. And, you know, being in the theater world or being in the creative space that um, my friends and I often are, um, it's nice to hear these older stories that happened. And there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. So the mere fact that I can just oh, I'm feeling like hearing an old drama and I could just go online and plop one in and then disappear for a half hour and just kind of live in that world. I I just think it's optimistic. It's something that is fun and just gives me a little joy and my, my heart sometimes will beat a little faster listening to the scary ones. And I'm like, you know, they weren't half bad back then. They were really creative and we need to remember that. So... It's like a combination of all these feelings and um, creativity. And the fact that you use your mind to see what's going on, that's another Mm -hmm. fun point, a fun little activity. It's such a good point about they had to be very creative. So they had to write, hopefully, good and intriguing stuff that made you want to come back for more, even if it was, you know, silly, like, don't take three steps right now don't you lift your arm don't you pull that trigger you know uh that can be a little bit silly but i imagine like the spooky stories i can see how that could be really really fun and engaging and and creepy oh yes i love it let's say uh a person is interested in getting into the golden age of radio what would you recommend as your jumping off point for folks to enjoy first well there's an old-time radio internet database and it basically if you just Google that, it'll pull up the the database and it goes through every single show that's in existence today. Because through my studies, I found out like, let's say um, Suspense had uh, 900 episodes that aired. Well, the internet, uh, old time radio internet database will have the 700 that are still in existence, just right there ready to download. And it has a little spiel oh, about... No what the show's about and what, what when it aired. So that's definitely a resource. If one is just randomly going to listen to one, you just go on YouTube and type in OTR, Old Time Radio, and it'll pop up with a hundred suggestions, and you just click on one and listen and see what you like. So th- th- that's the two ways you could do it, a more deep dive or one just random. That's a, those are great resources. And of course, there's a database. Does it feel good to know, like, do you ever reach out to the community yourself of, like, old-time radio saying, like, hi, I'm Richard, and I do old-time radio stuff. Do you ever, have you ever gone to a convention or chat rooms or anything like that? Ooh, uh, back in the day, I used to do, like, more online chat rooms and stuff. Nowadays, I go on Facebook and look in the groups and see what they're doing because there's just a small group of people that are following it still but i definitely go on there on facebook on the larger old-time radio groups and i post my podcast i'm like hey guys like 
I'm doing this. This is fun. And one time I have a Facebook page too for the podcast. And at times people will find it randomly and then they'll say, oh, do an episode of our Miss Brooks. So sometimes I listen to what people are saying and I'll do an episode based on that. And so it's it's limited reaching out, but I try my best. Yeah. And it's also your journey and what you like to do. So you don't necessarily need to, I understand, not to listen to everybody, but to have like some touchstones of like, hey, where are we at? What's going on? Who else is totally into this? And I think it's very cool because you're keeping this alive. This is, you know, 80-ish years old stuff. And right. Is that right? That's right. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) So you're keeping it alive and keeping it relevant. And I think that's really cool. That's a really beautiful thing because I would have never listened to that episode of, I can't remember the name of the show. Is it baby snooks? Baby snooks. Sorry. I didn't mean to yell at you. No. Yes. Baby, (laughs) baby snooks because uh the name alone made me tune in i'm like what the hell is baby snooks because snooks what that's so great now was baby snooks supposed to be a boy or a girl because she had that that accent which could um that's more feminine oh she had that accent which could be a boy or a girl depending on what was going on that's true um when she did it in the live shows she had a big bow in her hair and she had uh, one Ah. of those little girl (laughs) dresses that you would see like (laughs) in that time era like the it just starts at (laughs) it's as if they're waist yeah armpit and now yeah exactly (laughs) you got it you knew what i was describing Oh, oh, I'm familiar. My mom's a costumer, and I also watched, like, all that vintage old stuff, like I was saying, so I get you. (laughs) Oh, yes. So, so she portrayed herself as a female, but you're right, like, voice-wise, you wouldn't be able to tell either way, so I guess it's up to your imagination. Yeah, it's like, this is definitely an adult woman speaking. (laughs) Correct. But is, is the kid, because I can't remember if any pronouns are used or not, if it's just, like, baby snooks. Ultimately, Uh, doesn't matter. Right. Does not matter. But it's interesting, like you say, if you're not tuning into if they say he or she, if you don't hear that, then it it wouldn't matter. Baby Snooks is baby Snooks, baby. That's all that matters. Do you have any funny or interesting stories regarding this era or any stories that you've heard about? Like, oh, I can't believe that uh, Vincent Price did this or anything like that? I guess for me... (laughs) They're, they're all so good, right? A lot of the old-time radio is so good. So when I get one that's a dud, it it's very amusing to me. It, that's more amusing than if they do a great job when they're, like, not trying very hard. Like, there's a five-minute mystery show, which I guess they only have five minutes to tell the story because it's a short Ooh. time slot. But one time, they just really did a bad job like they were trying to smuggle diamonds across a customs border and the gentleman dropped the diamonds and then the woman or i think the woman dropped the diamonds and then said oh sir you dropped your your purse coin purse here and it was supposed to be like a little sly way of getting the diamonds across without them Uh having to check the bag like oh you had this it was yours and you're already through customs and and then he was like 
yeah, that's mine. And then the customs officer stops them and it goes to commercial. They're like, how will they figure it out? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe because they were really stupid and like, (laughs) (laughs) I could totally tell how they could figure it out. It's like really stupid. Like they're the dumbest criminals. They're like, oh, you dropped this. And someone's like, I think you dropped it. And you're already through customs. So no take backsies. So you have to get your stuff and leave. (laughs) Yes. I was like, that is a terrible, terrible plot. So maybe that week they were just, you know, really not trying hard or didn't have enough time to put it together. But that's where I take joy, too, is if they fail, you know, they tried. And it was more amusing that it it sucked big time. A hundred percent. I love B-movies. And oftentimes it's like, oh, what were what were you doing? What were you thinking? You see the big picture and you can imagine them like, this is what it's going to look like. This is what it's going to be. And then, you know, it comes to the paper and pencil turns into <laughs> to action. And it's like, oh, no, mm-hmm. no, this turned out crazy, but beautiful for different reasons, That's for a right. different type of audience. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what happened? Did they get away with the diamond smuggling? No, they didn't. Of course, we were right. The Everyone was like, um, you guys are in cahoots. We could totally tell. They're like, ah, oh, foiled again. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shucks. <laughs> cahoots. Great word. <laughs> well, this has been such a lovely conversation. Before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to share about your show or the Golden Age of Radio in general? Oh, that's great. Um... Anyone who's interested in being a guest, we've already discussed that it's pretty easy, even if you live remotely, you know, just reach out to me, you know, through the Facebook page or through my email address that we could put in the show notes or something. Absolutely, I I will. Yeah, that'd be awesome. If if they want to reach out to me, anybody out there who's either interested or wants to be more interested, a lot of my guests have no idea about old-time radio, so I'm teaching them. So anyone can join in. I don't mind. I think it'd be fun. Absolutely. And it is really fun. Like I said, you're keeping it alive and you're taking a new spin on it. And it's it's just a delight. It's so great. And uh, I want to thank you so much for joining me here today and doing this remote recording, which has been absolutely lovely. It's so nice to see your face. It's nice to see your face, too. I'm so appreciative. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you. And at the end of my radio show, I always invite my guests to musically arm fart. I'm wearing a sweater, so my my musical arm farts won't be quite as good. Um, But yeah, you just put your mouth on your arm, or if you like to fart any other way, you're welcome to. All right. Ready? Ready. And three... Two, one. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was excellent. I was trying to do the J E L L O. Oh, I could tell that it was musical, but that's a great reference. <laughs> I always try to tie in my musical arm fart I to love part it. of the conversation. Oh my gosh. Oh, heavens to Betsy. Richard, thank you so much. Everyone check out the second golden age of radio. And I hope you all have a wonderful day. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. I had a wonderful time. Yay. Okay, bye. Bye. Signing off. Bye. Signing off.